for downloading our latest podcast from Cathedral of Praise Church in Rockhampton. You're about to hear another message from our senior pastor, Claude Bingleton. On the 16th of June, we will be receiving from the people of this house a free will offering. And I'm asking that each of you bring a week's salary. Because you see, a first fruits offering is a first fruits of what you believe is the first fruits for the new financial year of 2013 to 2014. I don't want to turn to it for this evening, but for the sake of time, uh, just make mention of it. In Second Chronicles 31, 4 to 12, it was that as Hezekiah gave the word, his daddy was a bad boy, shut the temple, offered human sacrifices, but when Hezekiah came to the throne, his heart turned toward the Lord and he begins to reinstitute and told the children of Israel to bring in their first fruits. And from the third month to the seventh month, they began to bring in their, not only their first fruits, but their tithes and offerings to the Lord. And there was abundance. And it is that some years ago, now in 1986, the Lord began to speak to me and we established it in 1987. It's amazing to me how uh, people have forgotten their blessings so quickly. Not you, but how people can forget their blessings. Because there are times when we will be focused on our needs and there's always going to be needs. But God wants us to be focused upon him because he is the source of everything. There's a real challenge to us Because the Bible says that we should not be envious at the prosperity of the wicked. You know, prosperity is relevant. I mean, I really am very prosperous, and yet I only own one house. But I'm very prosperous. Not comparing myself with anybody else, but in my relationship with my Lord, in relationship and my walk with him, I'm extremely prosperous. And the word of God makes it very clear to me. You may have two, three, four homes, and I'm thrilled for you. I just believe I'm just so excited for you that God wants to bless you in that way. My wife and I, he just wanted us to focus on one thing. He didn't want us to be entangled with the affairs of this life. He just wanted us to simply focus as ministers of the gospel on the purposes of his kingdom of what we would teach you. And I am a blessed, prosperous man. I'm excited about bringing my first fruits to the Lord as I have every year because I recognize the voice and the leading of the spirit. For I want the heavens to stay open upon my life because I want to honor him. Honoring him is a very enriching experience. But if you were to honor anybody, it's always with substance, as the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It's always with substance. The Bible says the man ought to honor his wife, not just on anniversaries or birthdays, but he needs to do it with substance. It says that the Bible says the children should honor their parents. And when they start to make a living, it shouldn't be just about birthdays and events But it should be that every now and then they're thinking of their parents and thanking God for them. And it is for us who are are the redeemed of the Lord, the Lord would ask us to honor him. And he says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, that if you will honor me with the first fruits of your increase, then I'm going to fill your vats and your barns will overflow. Sometimes we see it within our frame reference of where we are right now that not much seems to be happening. 
But I know and understand that a farmer who's had a very small crop doesn't move back out into the field and say, well, this year I'm not going to sow because it didn't work last year. Because the only way that he can get a harvest is that he has to sow. And God is interested in you. I mean, truly, the scripture says in 3 John 2 that he wishes above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But you must be careful that when prosperity comes your way, that you don't begin to trust riches. The Bible tells us this in Timothy. Come with me there for a moment, just for a few moments, and we will try to keep to the time tonight. For in Timothy, in saying this, because sometimes I have seen Christians over the years, and you know I'm not referring to anybody specifically because I'm not mentioning any names, but I've seen Christians over the years, as God has begun to prosper them, some things have begun to happen, and it says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Just recently in this last week, I had two men of this house say to me that they have got into financial trouble and they said it was about greed. Because they said that to me, I began to realize that God is going to favor them and bless them because when you get into trouble and you know what the cause of it is and you repent of that thing, God isn't finished with you yet. See, many times we have a tendency to blame this or blame that or maybe, maybe say, God, well, maybe you just have your own special little uh, people um, that, that somehow they're favoured above uh, others uh, than me. But the reality is that God is no respecter of persons. And I was, when they told me that, I've been praying for them that God will show himself to be faithful to them. Because the scripture says that when we're not faithful, he is faithful still. And when we find within our hearts that the source of the problem is something that we have done, and we begin to acknowledge it, then we begin to discover that God's mercy and grace flows to the humble heart. And God hasn't written the final chapter about your life and wants to bring blessing upon you. The other danger is that as God brings you into the blessing and the favor of his prosperity, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty and not to trust in the uncertain riches, but in the living God. They can and will take wings when you begin to trust in them. But I find from the scripture that God has great delight in the prosperity of his children. The word of God tells me that in Psalm 35 verse 27, if they could put it on the screen for us, that God takes pleasure in your prosperity. He doesn't take pleasure in your poverty. He doesn't take pleasure in um, um, uh, the lack that you have. And there are times when people have lack. Let me say to you that my first fruits are not coming out of lack, but are coming out of abundance. And I'm able to sow far above what my weekly wage is, as I did last year, and as I've did in previous years. And I usually go to someone and just show them what is that I sow. 
Stella knows and uh, Vaughn knows because they're our, Stella's our church treasurer and Vaughn is our financial secretary. And everybody else, it's not for them to know my business, except my wife, of course, because I always tell her because I wanted to be in on the blessing and share. But there are times when I gave out of lack and I didn't have, but I gave, un- I gave anyway because I wanted to honour him. And he turned my circumstances around. And it is at times if we were to come into the prosperity that God wants us to have, it is that having made the wrong decisions, God will help us to make the right decisions. And God will bring the right connections and the right opportunities. Because not every opportunity that comes your way is a God-given appointment. And it is that you need to be praying over every opportunity and every major decision that you would make in the area of finances, looking for the Lord to lead you and direct you and guide you, for he wants you to profit and not to suffer loss. If you're embarrassed because of your loss over this year or throughout this year or previous, why should you be? Because God hasn't finished with you yet. When you would understand if you're not faithful, he is faithful still. I made mention of that this morning and I want to make mention of it again tonight because as I was in prayer and praying for you, I spend quite some time in prayer on Saturday morning just praying for you, the people of the house. And as I began to pray and intercede and I I broadened my wings a bit last Saturday and as I was praying, but different ones had come before me and as I began to lift them up to the throne of grace, the Lord reminded me because it was in 84 I physically collapsed and I know why I did because I wasn't trusting in God. I know why I physically collapsed because I was trying to build the house of the Lord myself and that's why the Lord began to speak to me and said, you work with me and not for me. And you love people dearly and hold them loosely. And you understand that you must keep short accounts because offences will come. And if you recognise that in everything you would maintain the attitude of gratitude, I'll turn your life around. And he did. You see, there was at times that we forget that it's the Lord that builds the house and unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And there's a proverb that Jim made mention of tonight that when I was in Davo with Brett and ministering over there, there was a, an American preacher who hopefully will come to us in 2014 and um, he's renowned for his teaching on biblical economics. But he just said a very simple phrase of a scripture that I know so well that says the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And do you know that if you have a covetous spirit and you may accumulate to yourself the materialisms of, um, and there's nothing wrong with having a house, two houses, three houses, four houses, in the favour and the blessing of God, three cars, four cars. There's nothing wrong in any of this. But it's when we begin to covet it that's when we will have sorrow with it. And God wants to bring blessing upon your life without sorrow. Who wants the blessing of his riches without sorrow? Only some of you? You're nuts. Who wants the blessing of God, his riches without sorrow? I believe you now. Now you want to tell the Lord that. 
Because you see, there is, as we look at markets and trends and every other thing and look what's taking place in the world, it is that God says to you and to me, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. But the real challenge when we bring our first fruits in faith to the Lord is that our eye is on the need and not our eye is on God. And next Sunday morning, I want to talk about a principle that's very important that I didn't want to address tonight, and I'm tempted to do it. But it's important that covetousness desensitizes you to God's presence. And God knows your need and doesn't like to see you in lack. God doesn't. He says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. Isn't that amazing? So if that's the case, what have I got to learn? I look at the life of Abraham, and it's interesting in chapter 24, and uh, you need to hear the word, and you need to know that God is leading you and directing you. For in this passage of scripture, it says of Abraham, of all the things that he went through, and remember the Lord was faithful to him, because twice the man got weak at the knees and lied about his wife being his sister. Twice. Because he feared for his own life. Yet Abraham himself wasn't a coward because um, uh, when it came time to do battle with the kings who plundered Sodom and Gomorrah, he took 318 servants of his household and defeated them. And so it was that Abraham began to discover that even when he wasn't faithful, God is faithful still. And if we begin to understand the principle to get a harvest, we've got to sow. And the Bible says of Abraham in verse 1 of chapter 24, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. When you're old and well advanced in age, who would like the Lord to have blessed them in all things? And so it is, we find some enriching principles. His son, interestingly enough, do you know that um, did a very stupid thing in the eyes of men. There was a famine in the land. And uh, the scripture tells us in Genesis 26 that he was going to go down to Egypt. But the Lord said, no, you best stay here in the land. And he said, um, um, I'm going to bless you. And the scripture tells us that he sowed in the midst of a famine. See, it's hearing the word of the Lord. It's not hearing and looking at the climate of the conditions. And God wants to direct you in life. And look, I am so blessed that two men have spoken to me about greediness. And I'm so blessed that two men have spoken to me about covetousness because I see a transparency that's coming and and not not recognizing Lord, not blaming God, but understanding why they were in the situation that they're in. And God is going to turn it around for them. We need to understand that God has given you a seed to sow. Turn with me, please. God has given you a seed to sow. Turn to somebody and say, you have a seed to sow. 
Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Word of God tells us these wonderful things. It firstly deals with the attitude about giving. He said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So let everyone give as he's purposed in his heart. I'm telling you that the Lord spoke to me in 1986 that he wanted this fellowship to do it. I nearly died. I nearly died. You know why I nearly died? Because when the Lord directs you to do something, you usually die to your own reputation. Do you know what a reputation is? When people think well of you, when people think you're a nice bloke. You know, the Bible says of Jesus that he made of himself no reputation. What that means is that he did what his father told him to do. He wasn't considering the consequences. He was considering the Father's will. He was considering the Father's direction because he wanted his Father to be glorified. So it was in that sense. And then the scripture says in the attitude of how we should sow because God wants us to sow with a cheerful heart. Everybody say a cheerful heart. And then he says that God is going to make all grace abound towards you. Who would like all grace in their lives? I Just some of you, I mean, I want all grace. I want all grace to abound toward me. God's abounding grace. Everybody say abounding grace. I want to make all grace abound towards you. You see, God is not interested in robbing you, but God is interested in receiving from you a seed that he can multiply because look at this it says in this passage of scripture verse 10 now may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness do you know that if you don't sow the seed that God has given to you he's got nothing to multiply it's just a fact of life he's got nothing to multiply. I said it this morning and it was very hard to say it because it's, I don't want to be judgmental. But I saw people on television who were in a terrible financial situation. It was a terrible plight they were in and my heart was moved about it and, and um, thinking, oh, Father, I pray that none of your people would be in those circumstances would ever find themselves in those circumstances and, um, uh, and then the Lord spoke to me and said he has a seed to sow and my mind went to as I told you this morning the prophet when the woman came her husband had left a lot of debts and had died as a husband you shouldn't leave a lot of debts for your wife to pay off hello And she said, the creditors are coming. They're going to take my children. They're going to sell them into slavery. And he said, what have you got in the house? And she said, I don't have anything in the house at all. Oh, except a little jar of oil. You see, you get so focused on the need that you can't see the seed. And you've got to say, Lord, can I see the seed? And if you're going to have a seed, you might have to give up for your luxuries for a few weeks. You might have to say, I'm going to live with the bare necessities. If you're going to, because you know, if you consume your seed, you've got nothing to sow and God is looking for you to sow a seed in faith so he can begin to bless you and multiply that seed. It is amazing to me that the Bible says that we should imitate Abraham who through faith 
and patience inherited the promises. And the Bible says of Abraham that he was blessed in his old age in every way. I know we're impatient people. And I understand the joy and the pleasures of that if you have certain riches, you can enjoy the journey in somewhat. It was interesting, I said to Brett just the other day, we were having a game of golf. I don't know why I've thought of it, but I said, you know, you and I went on a cruise, remember the QM2? Seems like a hundred years ago. Uh, wonderful memories. I said, did anybody ever ask you if I paid for that or you paid for that? And do you know I paid my own way? Brett didn't pay it for me. I just invited him to come with us because Elva and I were on a cruise and I wanted him because I like his company. I like his wife's company. I would have liked to ask many other of you, but you probably couldn't afford it. True. I would have enjoyed your company as well. Or maybe you might not have enjoyed mine so much. Who knows? But the reality is that, that, that God wants to bring favor and there are a lot of things that you can do when you have an abundance, as long as you don't set your heart on that. As you begin to understand that prosperity that God wants to bring into your life, and that we'll talk about that in, 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 in a broader scope in the next couple of weeks. But he wants his people to be blessed. He wants his people to be his ambassadors. He doesn't want his people to set their hearts on uncertain riches because then they'll take wings. He doesn't want his people to have a greedy, covetous spirit for that will desensitize them to his presence. But he certainly wants to bless you. But it's the Lord that has to do it, not Claude. It's the Lord that has to do it and not you. Yes, you need brains. Yes, you need brawn. So if you've got brains, you need wisdom. Because you need the wisdom of God. You must be prepared to put effort into it. But overall, arching over it all, it's got to be God. And God is the author and the perfecter of your faith. When I consider this man Abraham and the most amazing thing about, but, but firstly, I want to I deal with some subject. I haven't got time. I have got time. I'm going to try and make time. Do you know that the Bible says faith, how does faith come? Because if you sow your seed, you've got to have faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. You would ask the Lord, what do you want me to sow? I remember last year I was just so excited about preaching first fruits. I walked up the platform and said, Lord, I'm going to give you so much. I told my wife and I was so excited. And by Tuesday, I got cold feet. I said, do you realize, you know, I thought, wow, true, this God's my witness. You can ask him this when I get before the judgment seat if it was true. And by Thursday, I thought, a gulp. And then the Lord said to me, challenge your faith, son. Don't challenge me, challenge your faith. But hear what it is that God wants to say to you. Listen to what he wants to say to you because the purpose that you're sowing it is because that in this material, physical world that's so full of covetousness that there's idolatry everywhere and covetousness is idolatry. In this physical, material world, we want to say that, Lord, we want to honour you. We at the Cathedral of Praise want to honour you and you're our source. And I'm unashamed of saying that I want to honour God. I'm unashamed of saying that I will honour him and I have honoured him. 
It's an amazing thing is that we know that faith comes by hearing, so we've got to hear. And how is faith received? Well, at first it comes by hearing, it's received by your confession. Sometimes, you know, people have a tendency to do stupid things with their confession. And um, let me give you an illustration of that. Um, there can be times when you know within your body, and you heard Margaret's testimony this morning about how she was miraculously healed. She felt in the sense of his presence like there was tonight. And this morning, God is interrupting our services. He's maybe just saying at this present time, I don't need to preach as long as I have been. Because I'll do some preaching and you just put the tail end onto it. But it's interesting that, 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 that it was in his presence she felt that God did something incredibly remarkable within her life. But she didn't run around and tell everybody she was healed. And when you receive a healing, listen to me, no healing of God is afraid of any investigation. So if you know within yourself that you were healed, go and have it investigated. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church or to hear this message in full, you can purchase or download a copy from our website at www.copchurch.com.au.